Welcome to another edition of the Music City Drive-In brought to you by GeekVibeNation.com. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we talked about the dispute between AMC and Universal. We reviewed the upcoming Netflix show, The Eddie. We also reviewed the other upcoming Netflix show, Hollywood. And we also casted the cast of Tiger King. We did this episode on... Periscope, if you want to check that out, head on over to Ricky Valero at Ricky Valero underscore on my Twitter page. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime here, Jacob. Right now, the battle between AMC, Universal, and now not just AMC, but also Regal has come in and stepped up to the plate and kind of stuck together with um, AMC on this. What are your thoughts on it as a collectible? Yeah, you know, um, I think... It sucks that they couldn't just come to an agreement. I don't know how much actual talk went into it or if they just threw the ban on them. Um, you know, it's it hurts to see. I understand Universal's idea behind it. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Trolls did make money, but you have to put it in perspective of what we're actually in. And I do think that when the movie theaters open back up, if the movie theaters were open, Trolls would not have made the VOD money that it made. And that's just the fact of it. And I think, um, I don't think Universal really understands that like this will not work when the theaters open back up. So by saying, you know, we're going straight to VOD, I, you know, I take pride in the theaters for stepping up against them and telling them like, no, the films are going to be released in the theater or they're not going to be released here at all. Um, but it just sucks. No one could come to an agreement. You know, there's a few there's a few movies that I was really looking forward to that I still hope uh, some agreement gets made. I mean, you saw the whole Sony Disney thing go back and forth for months and then it ended up where nothing changed. So I think, you know, I think talks will still be in the work and I think a lot of stuff will still happen and we'll eventually get back to um, back to normalcy, really. Yeah. See, the thing about it is, is it's crazy to me how I kept on seeing there was a lot, a lot of people defending the studio. And yeah, I, don't see, think I don't get people, that. I don't understand that either. For me, the biggest problem is if you're going to defend the studio, I need a really good reason why you're defending the studio. Because the fact of the matter is, is this, the, the studios have all of the control already as is, right? So now not just they want the control of, of when and how many theaters, especially like big Big time, Universal's big time, Disney's big time. They've got a lot of theatrical releases at the end of the year. If they let them dictate uh, when theater movies are going to come out during X amount of days, the problem with this is this. The, take it off the fact that both of us are huge movie lovers, right? We're going to go see something the first week and it comes out just because that's who we are, right? Mm-hmm. People that see film and the people that I see defending film are those same types of people that are going to see the films regardless. The problem is, is the average everyday moviegoer, the one that sees once a month or once every couple months or takes their kids to go to the movies because their kids are nagging them to go see a film. The fact of the matter is, this is this. Hey, kids, do you want to go see Trolls? Or, you know, think a parent thinking, do I want to go drop $100 on Trolls or wait three weeks, two weeks, a month and say, hey, look, kids, it's going to drop on VOD in a month. And spend $19.99 on it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. And then, of course, you have the correlation of that. You're going to spend $19.99 on it when it comes out, but not $10 to $15 to go see it. And there's, there's so many variances in play that is absolutely infuriating to me right now. 
And I cannot believe people are consistently coming to the aid of Universal here because it doesn't make any sense. Is AMC being a little childish? Maybe. But the fact of the matter is, is they're struggling right now, not being open. And, and even the hint of films not being re- or films being released at, on VOD within a small amount of time frame within each other is crazy to think about. They're going to lose massive amounts of money, and that's a huge problem right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think it's all. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just interesting to be honest. Um, Cause it's like you said, you know, I get it for some people, for families of four or five who just want to see trolls, you know, the parents who don't want to really see it, they have no issue, but it's like for the average moviegoer, I don't see why they would stick up for the theaters in general. Um, you know, it's, it's like universal feel like, feels like they have just all the power and they do. I mean, it's their films, it's their movies, it's their studio. And you know, they're basically using and abusing the theater chain saying, you know, we can use you, get as much money out of you, but we're also going to use VOD and get enough money out of them. Um, You know, when it's like, it doesn't need to work that way. And then you've got people sticking up for the studios who are basically bullying the theaters at the same time. And so, you know, it's, it's like, like we've said, it's hard both ways. Um, I think an agreement will come to and everyone will kind of realize once all this is done. Um, but I think Universal is trying to play a short game uh, while the theaters are playing the long game. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, it's it, it it's not a it's not a good play for either, right? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But right now, with the world going the way they're going right now, trolls trolls, like you said, trolls would have never made a hundred million dollars on VOD if it wasn't for the simple fact of what we are going through right now. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the only reason why. It's 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 the it's the bottom line. They would have never made that much money. They might have made that much money in theaters, but that's it, right? That's 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 the theaters. We're not in the theaters right now. And obviously, the flip side of that, the big news, obviously, with the Oscars this year, is any film that was scheduled to release um, during this quarantine, if they had to delay it and they had to release it on VOD within, I think it's within sixty days. Um, yes. Well, from what I saw, it was. If it had a scheduled release during and it this was time. released on VOD, it has to be shown for a academy only streaming site or streaming network or whatever yep. within sixty days of its VOD release. Yep. Um, which I mean, I'm sorry to like jump in front of you, but no. I do think it. Uh, I do think that's a really great idea. Um, I think it's smart. Um, I think there's a lot of films that are going to VOD just out of necessity. You know, there's not, um, you got to think Scoob. I mean, Scoob would have made a lot of money. That's a huge product. That's a huge uh, product, huge market. I'm I'm still mad they did that. Yes. But the thing is, Scoob will not make a lot of money if it's released in November, October, even July just for a few weeks because that's the whole thing when the movie theaters open back up, there's going to be so much in there that they're going to have to pick and choose which ones they want. Um, So I think scoop going VOD was smart for money wise. I hate it because I really wanted to see that in theaters, but it also gives that type of film the chance to compete for the awards. Um, And then I know you'll probably talk about this also, but I think 
it gets thrown around in the mix a lot that it says streaming services, which people need to understand, you know, isn't true. Like, yeah. you know, you've got the, the Hugh Jackman bad education just came out, which I personally wish would have gone to theaters. Um, you know, I, I find no issue in HBO buying movies, you know, that's their thing. Some of their movies I feel like could be Oscar potential movies, but you know, that's just the name of the game. You know, whoever has the most money will win. But right. A movie and, that's, like that. and that's the thing. Everybody keeps on insinuating that films like Bad Education or films like, you know, that all these films have an opportunity to be Oscar nominated. This is this is not the truth. You know what I mean? It, that's to me is the most frustrating part is, is the false narratives that are being pushed out here. The fact of the matter is not everybody reads full articles, not every, but somebody needs to be, instead of reading a Twitter headline that says, streaming movies are going to be eligible for Oscars, which means uh, we already had so many people come out and say, all these films are going to be released digitally. If that was the instance, these films would just release, like Wonder Woman, just put it out on VOD. You could still have an Oscar for it, you know, but the, you know, that's the fact of the matter is it's not going to happen. Like, so it's it's it blows my mind that and it's just like the amc versus universal battle it's like a half-ass version that we're putting out there to the internet right we're only putting out there this small minute detail of amc's no longer showing universal pictures inside their theaters without any context to it right and then today it was released oh well regal's not going to show them anymore well let's let's put it into context of why they are and not just say it's because Trolls made so much money. No, that's that's not right. That's not what they said. That's 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 a lie. You know what I yeah. mean? And then it's like, all right, let's be honest, guys, and just give the entire story instead of just trying to, you know, get a click or get us something in there that just says, bam, wow. But um, this is a perfect transition. Um, we're going to kick off with the first TV show that we had the opportunity of screening for Netflix, and that's Ryan Murphy's Netflix film Hollywood movie uh tv show hollywood um for me i am a big i'm not i'm a semi-big american horror story fan i do like a lot of his uh takes on american horror story i do think that he's had several really good seasons and he's had several just okay seasons but the one thing that has always impressed me about ryan murphy's work is artistically he does an amazing job and you know whether it's down to the costumes whether it's down to cinematography it's whether it's down to the story whether it's to his casting he does a very good job um within these stories to really showcase and enhance his stories you know with the surroundings and obviously the hollywood will just drop it real quick hollywood drops on friday may 1st um, for your streaming pleasure there's seven episodes um, which Jacob and I both have reviews up right now at the musiccitydrivein.com. Um, we released those this morning. Um, Jacob, give me your overall thoughts of the, you know, we're not going to dissect it for your review. We're going to let you kind of, you know, marinate on the show yourself and give your thoughts on it. But I just want your overall thoughts of the entire show. So my overall thoughts, um, you know, I thought the show, for me personally, started slow. I did. I was not a big fan of the first episode. I thought it did barely enough just to keep me engaged. But then, from then on, um, until probably about episode six, I felt like it was incredible just going through fast. You know, it was very, um, you know, it's a retelling of history. So he really gets to do what he wants with it. Um, I personally have not seen anything Ryan Murphy's done. I don't watch American Horror Story. was never a big fan. Um, and so how, how are you not a big fan if you've never seen it? 
Well, I've saw, I've saw <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just, yeah. I figured out. I've never, I've never actually gone through a whole hey, It's been a while since we've been on the air. I got a, I got a little bit <laughs> enough to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, he threw me off. No, yeah. Um, you know, I really enjoyed what they gave. Um, I thought the performances were great. I thought, uh, you know, basically everyone who was on screen gave a very good performance. My biggest issue with the show came at, you know, there were times where I felt like, they thought nothing bad could happen. And it under, I understand it to a sense because I believe that that is what the movie inside of the show was going for, was that, you know, there can be a good outcome for different people. Um, but I think that at times they really stopped with the... I feel like during the, the meet, during the middle part of the show, there was kind of issues um, going back and forth and they had to, the characters had to overcome issues. And then at the end, it just felt like everything that could happen that was good was happening. And there were no, um, you know, drawbacks from what they did. And they were making very, very like obvious statement changes and there was nothing happening for it. Now, like with the last episode, I gave the last episode a very high score. I gave the whole show a very high score. Um, because the last episode, I thought there were moments where the characters gave very good speeches that needed to be heard. But there were at times where I didn't feel like, like I didn't feel like they thought anything bad could happen. And so it's a very like fan fantasy. I was thinking of like a different word for that. But it's a very like fantasy driven show and it's definitely rooted in fantasy. Um, but I think at the same time, it shows people who need to be seen and it sees people who haven't been seen. And it shows like a different Hollywood where a Hollywood that, you know, shoots for the minorities and shoots for, you know, those type of people and really latches onto them just as much as they latch onto other people. It's not too realistic, but it's a better it's a better history, I would say. Yeah, see, for me, I, I enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed it at the gate. I thought there were some little pieces of the first couple episodes that I really enjoyed. But um, as a collective whole, I thought the show worked. Um, There's several people in, within the show that were phenomenal. It was kicking it off with Jeremy Pope, who was just the absolute MVP of this series. Um, his character is Archie Coleman, was obviously had a fantastic um character arc as a collective whole i thought his character was written beautifully i i did like the enhancement of the collective whole of the story because for me it had the happy ending right it, it does it has a very happy ending i'm not going to tell you what happens obviously but it has a happy ending to it and the characters within it i really enjoyed that several people got to bask in that same glory and for me the cast works. And that's the only reason I am so high on this show because from David Cornsweet to Darren Chris to um, Dylan McDermott, who was, was brilliant in the show. And then I, the one person that I really hope people really latch onto is Jim Parsons. He was phenomenal, phenomenal in the show as well. And, and then of course you had so many other people that played little pieces, you know, Rob Reiner hit a little role, but was great in that role. And the story worked for me. I just think that, as I alluded to towards the beginning of talking about it, Ryan Murphy knows how to make episodic television. And he did it again. 
He made you feel like you were sitting in the golden age of Hollywood post-World War II. Yes, and he spun it in the way that Ryan Murphy likes to spin his stories. And that, to me, is what connected me so well to the show. Like I said, the casting was phenomenal. I would highly production design, cinematography, the score, the costumes, the technical aspect of the entire show was fantastic. I love the little pieces and touches of the Oscar ceremony that they did. I thought that was really, really nicely done. Um, the show worked for me. I gave it a four out of five. I thought I should. I thought about going a little bit higher on it, but um, four out of five is pretty solid score for me. I think you landed at four and a half. Yeah, I did. I landed at four and a half. I might drop to a four out of five. Um, you know, thinking on it more and thinking about that ending a little bit more, which I said in my review, I do think it will spark a lot of controversy. Um, so I might drop down to a four. Actually, I'm just going to say it. I'm dropping down to a four. Um, but I mean, that's not a knock. It's no, not at a all. great TV show. It's one that I will probably revisit sometime soon, especially if this quarantine keep, keeps lasting on. And to be honest with you, I want to see a sequel. I want to see Dreamland. I, I would love to mm-hmm. I would love to see Dreamland, you know what I mean, play out the way it was supposed to. All right, so this is a perfect transition to the other Netflix show that we had the opportunity of watching, and that was The Eddie. Um, this is one TV show I found out it was in production for a very long time, I think a little over 10 years that they've been trying to get this made. And I guess whenever they brought Chazelle on board, this is whenever it finally got the green lit and production started and stuff like that. And to me, um, all you had to do is tell me Damien Chazelle was involved and I was locked in, right? I mean, there's not a person in the world I think is a bigger Chazelle fan than I am. And I love his work. And I think that he's had three just absolutely beautiful films that have come out and you, it's really hard to go three for three the way he has i mean no matter how you look at it you know for me two four, i think you had two four and a halfs and one five and i think you have like a four four and a half and a five but it doesn't matter if you have three straight films that you come out with and they're all rated higher than a four that's that's a pretty pretty intense um opening there so for me personally you feel chazelle throughout the entire show mm-hmm. right musically you know the the way he utilizes the music and he does this he did this in la la land he utilizes his scores the same way he did it in whiplash but the way he utilizes the tone of the music throughout the show to tell the story of each individual character just blows you out of the mind you know blows you out of the water right and for me that's that's what really stands out with this tv show my thoughts on it as a collectible is it perfect? No. I, I do have some issues within the Eddie. But for me, the acting, just like I was talking about Hollywood, the acting is phenomenal in this show. Andre uh, Holland, who was the lead in this, as Elliot, was brilliant. He, he blew my mind. It, it was the little things that he did right that really knocked it out of the ballpark. It was the actor's ability to not say anything but say something. That's the kind of stuff that stands out the most to me. Um, it, it was his facial expressions. It's his motions. It's his body language. It, it's just the way that he did things. And then Cooling just swooned us with her voice and her unpredict- unpredictable portrayal of Mahi. And then Amanda Steinberg, who I've been waiting to figure out what she was going to do after The Hate You Give. Um, she didn't – I didn't – and I know you didn't either. I didn't love the writing of her character, but 
I do think it was done on purpose. She was kind of an annoying teenager and she really played that to a kind of perfect T. Um, the biggest problem I had was the anticipation of the story surrounding the club felt like a mess, right? We got all the pieces throughout every episode, but the, the pivotal role to get us to that conclusion, it really struggled to hit the home run. And that was my biggest problem. But overall, I think it's a remarkably done TV show. It swoons you with the music, the amazing acting. What were your thoughts? Oh uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, first going off on the mentalist, uh, Stenberg's character, she, there were just, there were times where I would watch her character and I would feel so like, so out of it with her. I mean, there were times where the writing of her was just awful. I mean, there were moments where she would say, you know, as a 16 year old girl, she would say like, I'm not built for school. And it's like, Hun, no one is <laughs> like, but we all have to do it. Like there's, I don't see how there's anything special with her. And then, you know, I feel like they rushed to kind of get her in that argumentative like way with her father. I think they could have done it in a much different way. But I think once they got her out of the house is when her character actually started to flourish. Um, but no, I agree. You know, Damon Chazelle, she, I, I really enjoy how he makes and does you know, musical notes. I would love to see him do some like high profile music videos because he captures the instruments just as importantly as he captures the people who play them. And he shows that like, it's all like music is in everything and on everything and throughout everything. Um, you know, I do agree. It does at times see like a lot of a mess, um, you know, for people who are going to see it, every episode is a different character. Yep. And so you have so many different plot lines kind of on top of each other. You know, for me, my favorite episode was the first one. And I think that's because at that point, you're only on one story. And then you start getting on different stories throughout. And then the ending, you know, I put this in my review also. I would lie if I wouldn't say, um, I would lie if I would say I wasn't um, underwhelmed by the ending. Um, you know, it feels like we were in a pressure cooker and we were getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And then it was one of those to where the roof didn't pop off. It just kind of sizzled out. And so, um, you know, it had its issues, but technically, you know, cinematography, the directing, the acting, the sound, the music, you know, the songs, the just musical performance performances were all just all incredible and um you know i don't know if you gave your score already but i gave it a four out of five as well just as i did hollywood um i think it's a very different tv show than what you're used to it's a lot more chaotic and in your face and it's a lot to you're gonna have to kind of focus on it <laughs> um you're gonna have to focus on it but it is, it's very in your face and it's very enjoyable if you let yourself kind of be engulfed by the show. Yeah, for me, I settled in a four out of five on this as well. I think there was just a few little aspects to me that kind of didn't really knock it out of the ballpark per se. And it, it was just, those, it was the little things. It was the little things that really, but it's, but at the same time, like you said, it's a very enjoyable television. So it's something that you really have to, 
um, sit down and watch. You can't just watch this in the background. You have to, you know, obviously depend, obviously, you know, it's not fully in English either. So there's that yeah, as well. You have to watch, you got some French, you got some Arabic, I think as well, or, um, you know, undertones in it as well. But for me, if you sit down and you, it, it's a very enjoyable show, not, and if you just want to sit back and enjoy a show, do it because this one for me was, it was amazing because, I love the simple fact that they're just enjoying the music and enjoying the the score and the and the sounds and the you know the, the song as a collective whole. I love the song to Eddie. It's and the story behind it. And then there's a moment in that season finale that just oh god, just thinking yeah. about it just really I mean, you in a thousand pieces. Yeah, that's what I love so much. You know, each show, you know, there was that moment in La La Land where he was ex- kind of explaining to Mia. He's like. You know, this person killed another person because he said he played a wrong note. And, you know, in this moment, the trumpet's taking over. In this moment, the sax is taking over. In this moment, the drums are taking over. And I feel like every episode had a different song. And it was for that particular person to kind of take over. Yep. Um, and I did really, really like that aspect behind it. Yeah, so Jacob hit me up. And was like, all right. Oh, by the way, first off, um, the Eddie drops on Netflix May eighth. Um, yes. Don't don't forget about that. And then we both, like we said, we both have reviews up right now. Um, um, <laughs> MusicCityDriveIn.com. Uh, Anchor is a one stop shop for recording and hosting and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's a hundred percent free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if all if you've always wanted to start a podcast making money to do it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I cannot wait to hear your podcast. Um. So uh, Jacob hit me up initially and was like, "Hey, let's 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 play this game." I'm like, "Oh God!" Uh, obviously, we're talking about Tiger King. We're going to uh, cast the show. Um, I am. I watched I don't know three or four episodes. wasn't a fan. I'm still not a fan. I think it's a waste of space on television. And I think people talking about it are uh, people watching it as a collective whole and thinking it's just be all end all thing is just stupid. But here we are, we're talking about it. It's the hot, it's the hot spot. So we're going to cast the show. Um, I know very little about any of these characters. So for me, it's going to be, um, it's going to be off the cuff and, and people, I will just cast random people in these roles and I think I'm going to have fun with it. And um, yeah. So Jacob, I actually, I'm going to let you kick it off on this first one first here. So okay. We have uh, Jeff Lowe and Laura Lowe here, so cast away. All right, so for Laura Lowe, I'm going Isla Fisher, um, you know, from Hot Rod, from Now You See Me fame. And then with Jeff Lowe, I'm going Matt Damon. Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, I think Matt Damon could do a good Jeff Lowe. Let's see here. Well, and I think my favorite thing about this is, is I don't know anything about these characters. So Isla Fisher would have been my pick for this chick right here. And then, oh God, this guy is just, man, who, who does he, I don't, I don't even know what this guy looks like. 
Yeah. I'm trying to think of somebody. I had somebody in mind, but the one person I, I saw somebody else that kind of had this other redeemingly ridiculously look on his face. So I am going to go here. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't even know. God, this guy's weird looking. This is so <laughs> hard. Yeah. I'm trying to think of actors I like. I know this was this was one of the hardest ones for me uh, when I was going through it because I went through uh, I went through last night and put a whole list together. And I, I see might, you did. Oh, okay, cool. yeah, definitely I did. Said, I said I was going to do this off. I said we just need to do it off the cuff on the air here. And me now I'm stuck looking like a man. I don't um, even know why. Give me Paul Giamatti. There we go. I don't even know. I don't oh, even look that's like a good him. one. That's a very good one. All right, so let me remove this from the stream. So for me, like, uh, what did you, as I transition these to our screen here, what were your thoughts on the show as a, as a collective whole? So for me, I think I'm an episode from the end. Um, I'm sorry. And I don't think, I don't think it's the greatest thing ever, but I do think it's very entertaining. And I do think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of mystery behind the show for me. It's just so interesting to know, like, this is the time when I was, you know, on the internet the most and I was plugged in, you could say the most, but I never knew about any of this stuff. And this is all stuff that happened over the past five or six years. I mean, you know, Recky hasn't seen the show, but Joe Exotic runs for president. He runs for governor and almost wins governor of Oklahoma. Um so, you know, that's just crazy stuff like that. You know, the whole thing about Carol and her husband, um, which is just kind of fascinating in and of itself, that whole just how Carol handles herself. Uh, you know, you right now when you, well, I'm just saying, you know, when people, oh, you're going to really like the one I've got for this one. But like here, well, I'll, I'll pick up on that after. So but, this was, this is, this was, uh, uh, for according to this, this is uh, John Finley. Yep. Um, he was, he met Joe at 19, was married to him for 11 years. Yes. So I, I didn't even, to be honest with you, until I did my sort of research, I didn't even realize that uh, um, Joe was, was gay. I didn't yes. know this. So now that I do know this. Um, all right. So hit me with your casting. This is, yeah. So this is one of Joe's, he had two husbands at the yeah, same, yeah, yeah. same time. This is one of them. And uh, when doing my research, John Finley actually already talked about this, and he wants this guy to play him either in a TV series. I'd rather it be a movie, but my go is Shia LaBeouf. Perfect. It's there's pictures that have him next to next to each other, and it would be a perfect perfect match. Mine is per mine's even better. I'm gonna go with Dave Bautista. Um, it looks just like him. Look at those tattoos. I mean, we don't even have to get the tattoo work done on his body. I mean, they're both ugly looking. I don't understand how you could. Shia LaBeouf has tattoos. His tattoos all over his no, body. I've got. I already had Shia LaBeouf cast in a different role, so I can't okay. get Shia LaBeouf. Okay. Cast, so. Yeah, I, no. John John Finley actually came out and said that he wanted Shia LaBeouf to play him. I went. Yeah. Came out. I want Leonardo DiCaprio to play me in a TV show, but I don't see that. You know what I mean? I don't really <laughs> see that happening anytime soon. Um, let's see if we can get another one of these ugly looking characters. Okay, this is just. These people are ugly. For the people that are listening to the podcast, you're going to have to head over to the YouTube channel and watch this mm -hmm. because this is this is brutal right now, guys. I don't even no, but, know. Uh, so to go on back. Oh, wait. All right, here we go. Here I did. I did have a going for this one. Who's this guy right here? Alan, right? This is, is, this is Alan Glover. Alan yeah. Glover. This and is the this is the guy who presumably 
uh, Joe hired. To oh, this is the yeah, the, the yeah, the hitman guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've got yeah. I've got the perfect one for this one. Are you ready? Yes, Michael Rucker. Yeah, that's. I don't even need to pick anybody else. That's perfect. Yeah, that is spot on and perfect. Yeah, I like it. I like it already. That's that. I'll, I'm still on that one. I like it a whole lot. Did, did, whenever I was doing, like I said, I watched a couple episodes. wasn't a this this show wasn't for me. I, I don't really know um, what this show, who this show really is for. I mean, it, it crazy people. These people are crazy. I will. I will say. I don't think the show is as big as it is as big as it is if it wasn't during quarantine. Uh, I disagree. People are just stupid and enjoy garbage. This is like, what was the other one? How to make a murder or whatever. Yeah. I never watched that one. This is my Shia LaBeouf. Really? Yeah. The only reason I get that is because of the role he played in Honey Boy. Kind of looked like his dad a little bit. All you got to do is throw a Actually, if you really want to cast this guy perfectly, you just cast Jake Roberts, the wrestler, and you knock it out of the ballpark. You know, he was in, um, he was in, uh peanut butter falcon um but um the wrestler that wrestled um zach in that but give me shia labeouf here this is my this that's my go-to here okay see i think this is a little bit too old for shia labeouf for me i went a guy who's already played someone who can't use his legs um and that's brian cranston i think brian cranston would be a good fit here he's got he's got that older kind of more grizzled look you know, he's Brian Cranston isn't a guy where if you look at him, you know, outside of all the Walter White stuff, if you look at him, you're not going to hate him. And this is a guy on the show you don't hate. Um, you know, I love I love this character. Um, and I think Brian Cranston would be a perfect fit for him. What's this guy's name? I forgot. I, did I even John, introduce this guy? John Ranky. John Ranky. Yeah, he was the manager of the uh, and the right hand man of Joe. Yeah. Yep. All right, fantastic. I think I figured it. All right, so I've got two more of these, okay? Okay. So we've got two more. All right, my share. Well, obviously, it's, it's pretty obvious who we've got left. Oh, no, no, I've got three more, I think. No, three more, sorry. We've okay. got to cast this guy, you know what I mean? We've got to cast the, 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 the MIA, missing in action husband that got murdered. We all know he got fed to the Tigers. So who do you got right here? See, this one, actually, I didn't do this one. So this one's going to have to be off the cusp. Um, I don't know. I think maybe if you, I got Michael Kane here. I was gonna say uh, Michael. I was gonna say Michael Douglas or him. Um, yeah. I could see Michael Kane doing this yeah. one. Uh, definitely. We just need to find like a, you literally have to like Google like all of these hundred year old uh, actors. You yeah. know. All right. We got the we got the we got the BL end out here. Okay, I've got a very interesting one for this one, and it's right. it's not a very popular pick for some reason. People are saying Kate McKinnon. First off, I will say it on this uh, on the air. I do not like Kate McKinnon. I don't think wow. she's funny in wow. anything she's done. Um, that, that I think is... she's incredibly annoying. But <sighs> you know, she can think I'm annoying. I don't really don't care. Um, for me, this one, though, is actually going to be Miranda Richardson, who was the mom in Stronger. And so if you kind of remember back to that, I think she's got the perfect look for it. I think the mom in Stronger was already kind of this character. Um, and I think that would be I, – I, I honestly think it would be a perfect fit. This one's easy for me. This one's Charlize Theron. Um, yeah, that's what a lot of people have been saying, too. That's – 
to me that that one to me was a that was kind of a no-brainer for me as soon as i saw her um perfect casting in my opinion i I like yours as well but for me this one was a that was kind of a an easy one for me is 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 her and then of course we've got the we've got the mother load right you know what i mean you can't you can't cast a show without this guy right oh yeah so all right i'm very interested to see what you say on this one I'm going to let you go first because I don't really know yet. So, Well, for me, I'm going Michael Keaton. Uh, I, I don't think I could go otherwise from that. Um, you know, I think there's a few guys who could do it. I think Michael Keaton could do it. I think um, David Spade could do it. I just don't think David Spade could do a – I think David Spade would be – if he'd want to do like a purely com- comedic movie. Um, yeah, i got a good one for this one. I'm excited. But I think Michael Keaton would be a good – uh, a good Joe Exotic. All right, so we've got Joe Exotic here, and I'm going to cast Bradley Cooper. Um, I don't obviously, Bradley Cooper's way too good looking for this role, but I think if we dumb him down a little bit with the makeup, we get him a little blonde mullet, we get him a little half goatee. I, I like I like the casting. I'm all about it right here. Obviously, you, you could go a lot of you can go Danny McBride here. I think you know I've seen mm-hmm. that. You know, I don't hate that. Danny McBride's hilarious. I think Danny McBride is too too funny for this role. You know what I mean? I think Danny McBride could play someone else in the show. I don't think he could, he could play uh, Joe. But for me, Joe, he'd have to be – to me, it'd have to be a serious actor that could play funny role, right? It can't be a funny guy playing Joe. See, and that's why I think exactly – that's why I think Michael Keaton could do it because Michael I Keaton was – was a comedic actor, and then in the past, like five or six years, he decided he just wanted to do dramatic roles. And I think uh, he could; he does have that perfect mix. Um, you know, another another guy who, not for Joe, but just for the show in general, who might be good is Steve Carell. Uh, I think Steve Carell could find somewhere in this show that would work very well. Um, Damn it! Who played Dwight? Um, oh, I can't think of his name. I think I he could find a role in this too. Why can't yeah. I think of his name? But yeah, him. Everybody will know who I'm talking about when I say that, so I feel good about it. <laughs> uh, and then there's another. If you there's another character um, that Ricky didn't pull up, Bhagavan Antle. I think he would be the perfect the perfect casting for him in any world would be Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, you know, of course, that's not a thing because he tragically passed away. Um, but I think Philip Seymour Hoffman could, has the looks. And if there was a perfect universe where he was still here, I think that would be a perfect casting for him. I agree 100%. Folks, do us a favor. Head on over to themusiccitydrivein.com. Check out all our latest movie reviews, now TV reviews as well. Um, do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Head on over to geek5nation.com. Check out all the latest articles they have up over there. They're fantastic. Head on over to the NashvilleNoise.com. Check out uh, Cody Howell on Twitter, at Cody Howell. Follow Jacob on Twitter, at MCDI underscore Jacob. Give myself a follow, at Ricky Valer underscore. Give the show a follow at mcdi uh pod and um until next time we'll talk to you guys later and stay safe